Welcome to the Performance Mindset Podcast, and I'm your host, Amy Calandrino, CEO of Beyond Commercial. After a decade of providing expert commercial real estate advice and consultation to the business owners and investors I serve, I wanted to share some of the most inspiring and influential leaders I've met along the way. The goal of this podcast is to provide value insights from these impactful individuals, as well as business and commercial real estate trends. If you want to grow, you're tuning in to the right show. Today, I have Andy Storch on the show. He is author of Own Your Career, Own Your Life, a consultant, coach, speaker, and facilitator. He also has three active podcasts, My NFT Journey, The Talent Development Hot Seat, and The Andy Storch Show. And he's co-founder and host of Talent Development Think Tank Conference and Community. He's taught strategy sales, leadership, finance, and innovation to business leaders all over the world, including Red Bull and Tiffany. I know I would need a lot of Red Bull myself just to keep up with all of that, but welcome to the show, Andy. Well, thank you so much, Amy. Just honored to be here and appreciate that kind introduction. And it reminded me, I used to run some leadership development workshops at Red Bull, different locations around the world, and they provided a lot of Red Bull during those workshops to the participants. It was a dangerous situation to get over-caffeinated and stay up too long. (laughs) The eye starts twitching. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And they had coffee too, in case you didn't want to drink Red Bull. It was like, okay, overstimulation, let's go. It works for me. My my coffee machine at my office is is quite extraordinary for being such a small operation. So it helps. (laughs) Let's get started from the beginning. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, sure. I I know you have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to your show, and I discovered the world of entrepreneurship after college when I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with. That was my discovery of entrepreneurship. Nobody in my family was an entrepreneur. I had no idea what that even was when I was growing up and went to college. I just went to college so that I could job. And then I discovered this world and I dove into entrepreneurship. I, I, I um, joined some startups. I started a couple little companies and everything failed. Nothing worked out. Eventually went into corporate world to pay the bills and went back to school and got an MBA. My wife went back to school and got a grad degree and I worked in corporate for several years. Luckily got lucked into a great job in consulting back in 2011 and learned this world of consulting where I got to really work with a lot of different types of companies, traveling all over the world, teaching strategy, finance, leadership, as you mentioned. And I also observed along the way, a lot of what success looks like, why certain companies and leaders might be successful and others were not. I also observed a lot of people kind of drifting through their careers and not you know, operating in reaction mode, sort of waiting for other people to tell them what to do, not really seeming that happy or fulfilled. And in 2016, I got really into personal development, started doing a lot of work on myself, reading a lot more books, listening to podcasts, doing a lot more self-reflection and discovery, and realized that I had a strong drive to be an entrepreneur that started long ago, and that came back. And I followed that, that passion, that pursuit, that curiosity, and eventually became an independent consultant and started my own business. I've come back to those observations that I saw and been on a mission since then. I've published a book called Own Your Career, Own Your Life, as you mentioned, to help inspire other people to take ownership of their careers, not to necessarily follow the path of becoming an entrepreneur, because while many of us might love being entrepreneurs, it's not for everybody, right? And I think what most people want 
is to feel happy and fulfilled in their career, to feel like they're doing something meaningful, that they're connected, that someone values the work that they're doing, and to not hate going to work every day. And the mission I'm on is to inspire more people to take ownership of their careers. That's what the book is about. And a lot of the content that I put out in the world is as well. Well, to, to me, and I, I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs, but you know, I've also seen folks within organizations, if you don't have a plan, if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to have a business plan. But if you're someone that's working within an organization, you need to have some type of plan and strategy for yourself there as well. And so it's wonderful that you've come up with methodology and, and system for, for doing that. It just gives people a sense of purpose. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that's so important. And you're right. A lot of people who run businesses have plans or an idea of where they want to go. Not everybody does. A few people do. But most people who are career professionals, corporate professionals, tend to be operating in reaction mode, waiting for that next thing to come. Hopefully, I'll get a promotion. Not sure where I'm going with my career. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm trying to help and inspire more people to take ownership of their career, to be more intentional about where they're going. And that starts with the self-awareness that I realized I needed back in 2016, really self-reflection, self-awareness. And then the next step is to develop that vision and that plan, that idea of where do you want to go in your career, put a plan in place. It may not work out perfectly, but I'm sure as you've experienced yourself, Amy, the more clarity you have on where you're going and the more you have a plan to follow, it's a lot easier to take action and you make a lot more progress that way. Yeah. One of the books that's required reading for anyone that works within my organization is The Traveler's Gift. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to read that. And that is a clear example of someone that worked in corporate America for like decades and decades. And at the end of the day, he had nothing left whatsoever. And he thought it was everyone's fault that his careers and everything didn't work out. Because I, I think I, I do believe truly in what you're talking about. You you have to have a sense of purpose. And and maybe sometimes people might end up growing out of my company, but you have to have some type of sense of purpose. But yeah, check that book out. You're you're really mm. like that. That's a that's a cautionary tale. It shows you about seven different life lessons over the course of the book. But one thing I wanted to talk about is you've had these podcasts for a long time. And actually, I think I was first on one of your podcasts about five years ago now. Yeah, that's right. How do you think that it's helped you overall with your business or brand or what would be one of your top tips for someone listening to this podcast too and maybe thinking of it for, for themselves? Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, I have three podcasts and, and some of them, one of them has morphed a few times over the years. I started the first one in 2017. It was originally about entrepreneurship because I wanted to become an entrepreneur I had very little experience with it other than the very early in my career, and I wanted to learn as much as I could. And so I started interviewing other entrepreneurs to ask them about their you know, successes and failures and things they've learned. And then that morphed into being more personal development, changing to the Andy Stort Show. And then eventually I changed it when I published my book to the Own Your Career Show to be more, for, more career-focused. I started the Talent Development Hot Seat Podcast in 2018 as a way to connect with more prospective clients in my space. I was working a lot with talent development professionals and to build a brand in that space. And that podcast grew, my largest today, grew so much that a friend of mine, Bennett Phillips, and I hosted a conference together in January 2020 called the Talent Development Think Tank. It was wow. sold out. We had over 150 people there, some really big name speakers. It was a ton of work to put it together, but it all started with 
that podcast and wow. the relationships that were built and the audience that we built with that. And then lately, as I mentioned, or as you mentioned, the, the latest podcast, the, my NFT journey, which I started to kind of just share my journey into the world of NFTs and cryptocurrency and educate other people who are getting into that space and establish a little bit of a brand there. And so what these have all done, what I've noticed and observing so many other podcasts and podcasters out there is that A, it helps us learn more about the space that we're in, because especially if you're doing an interview style podcast and you're interviewing other experts in your space, you learn a ton. So for instance, in talent development, I work a lot of with, with talent development professionals. I have never worked in that field myself. And yet I know so much because I've interviewed so many other experts in that wow. space. I know what a lot of people are dealing with. Number two, if you're doing an interview style podcast, you make a lot of great connections, right? I've, I've built such a great network in those areas from booking podcast interviews, like what we're doing right now. I had you yes. on you know, five years ago, built a relationship. I believe, I think a mutual friend introduced us. You know, here we are back talking again, even five years later, you're having me on your show and, and we keep in touch. And I have so many friends that I've made, not to mention business colleagues and clients that I've met through podcast interviews. So the yeah. network effect is huge. And then the third piece, of course, is building your brand. I mean, when you have a podcast on a subject, many people start to see you as an expert on that subject, whether they listen to you or not. So in talent development, I've seen that even more recently with the NFT podcast, which I launched just about four months ago. And I've had so many requests from people asking me then to come on their show and talk about NFTs just because they see me this start this podcast and see me as an expert because I've been talking about it. They don't know that many people who know what the heck is going on in that world. Uh, and so it's, it builds a brand for you in that space. And if you're building a business, I think you're also building a brand, right? Especially in you know 2022 and beyond, it's so important to have that online brand, that online persona, and the personal brand is so important. I believe it's you know it's nothing more than your reputation. It's what do people think about you? What do they say about you? And having that podcast, short of you know similar to having a book, builds your brand as an authority in that space. Even if you're just trying to figure it out along with everybody else, you're building a brand of someone who is obviously very interested and curious and probably knowledgeable about that topic and you know, in theory, that helps you doing business in that topic as well. It's probably why both you and I have podcasts at this point, right? To build that brand and, and support our businesses. Yeah. I launched it because honestly, I was updating my training program within, within my organization and I came across and, and in building and putting, I have a three-year growth plan for my company. And I discovered that a lot of folks have the same kind of like mindset of, you know, wanting to have results and wanting to be resilient and some of the most successful entrepreneurs and people. And, and much like you, 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 you've had quite like a journey through both, both personally and professionally. But yeah. despite even talk about the failures early on, I realized that these people keep moving forward. And so if I can talk to more folks and figure out how did they create this mindset of, you know, still wanting to grow, even if your, your growth journey looks more like a stock chart is what I figured mm -hmm. out is most, most successful people, their journey ends up looking more like a stock chart as they kind mm -hmm. of go up and down and up and down and up yeah. and down, but they figured out that they can't stop moving forward. And so I wanted right. to surround myself with, with more people and learn what are those personal development, professional development, what are those different things that, that keep them moving? And then sometimes, you know, commercial real estate ends up being involved with it, which, you know, for instance, one thing I was going to talk to you about too, is speaking of the NFTs, since that's something we just most recently talked about, 
I'm seeing a lot more commercial real estate deals actually being traded in cryptocurrency mm. and those types of transactions. Yeah, I, I, you know, we've seen Ethereum that you can only pay for something in Bitcoin, yeah. those kinds of things. You you have this this interest in the NFT space. What are your thoughts? And you probably have a lot of them. You probably have to tune into your podcast for more. But what are your thoughts on the the metaverse in this type of environment do you think it's going to be a long-term play a phase or what what do you think yeah there's so much going on there and, and just to yeah. go back to you know finish the conversation on the podcast uh, one more yeah. thing i thought of too yeah. is that you know on the benefit side not only is it building your brand you allow people to hear your voice right and the main part of my business right now is i do a lot of speaking and training inside big companies and a lot of times people find me or find out about me, they get my book, then they listen to my podcast and they decide like, oh, okay, this guy seems like he knows what he's talking about. I'd like to put him in front of my people, right? And then they reach out about hiring me uh, to speak in their company. So it's just like one more avenue for people to come check me out. It's good to have that. Now on the flip side, I think it's it's also important for us to mention that, hey, running a podcast, not not even three, just one takes a lot of time and money, right? If you're going to outsource things and not try to do it all yourself, you know, editor, producer, show notes, all that sort of stuff. So you got to decide like, okay, is it worth your time? And that's something I'm always asking myself, right? As I'm doing all these things like, okay, is this worth my time with everything I do? When it comes to the NFT stuff, you know, I've been fascinated by it, both as a collector, investor, but as a business and as a business person, really thinking about where things are going in the world. And I do think this is a major paradigm shift in our economy, in our mm -hmm. culture, in our society. I liken it very much to the changes that came along with the, the dot-com boom and the internet. You know, I think we're in like 1997 right now where, you know, the internet is upon us, this web three, which is like cryptocurrency, blockchain, yep. NFTs, metaverse is upon us. We haven't quite figured it all out yet. There's early adopters who are in there. There's plenty of resistors, but eventually I think it changes everything. And we're doing everything with, you know, digital tokens, possibly with cryptocurrency. A lot of commerce is done over the blockchain. You're going to see people selling houses on the blockchain, commercial real estate, the because it's just, it. yeah. right. It, it, the record keeping is much more transparent and provable and easier, I think, than you know the all the old school documentation that we've used in the past for the past few hundred years. I don't know how long it's going to take. It does seem to be moving very fast. Even if you're like, okay, I don't know if I want to jump in and start buying NFTs like this guy Andy. I think it's worth paying attention to because I think it's going to change the way we do everything. And it's something I think about all the time. You know, you mentioned commercial real estate starting to be done with NFTs. Or with cryptocurrency, I'm dealing with a situation right now where I did some work. I spoke for a company in Germany, a German company, a few weeks ago, back in February, I think, and they still haven't paid me. And their procurement company they're using is telling me they can't pay me because they need to pay me in euros. And they're asking if I can accept euros. Well, my bank doesn't accept euros. And here we are in 2022, and I still cannot accept an international payment from a client in Europe. And it's driving me crazy. I have to like either open a new account. Whereas, but meanwhile, if they just agreed to pay me in cryptocurrency, oh. Bitcoin, Ethereum, I'm set up and ready to go. They could pay it and it would instantly convert from their crypto, you know, from their currency to, to ours. And so that's another reason, you know, little things like that make me really bullish on the future of using cryptocurrency and blockchain technology, because it just simplifies everything and gets rid of all these barriers that we have to doing business across different yeah. ways. Not to mention, I think all the time, you know, democratization of money 
all the immigrants that come to our country and other countries that are working and trying to send money back, you know, to Ecuador or Nigeria or wherever it is. And they're going through Western Union and paying ridiculous fees when this could be done seamlessly, you know, through cryptocurrency and other methods. So I I think it's what the people are eventually going to want and it's going to change everything. But how long it takes, I don't know. I heard one of the largest investors in cryptocurrency technology is actually Bank of America. And Mm. they're really banking but um, pun intended, <laughs> uh, on this coming to fruition. But we are also seeing title companies preparing to trade transactions in cryptocurrency. And I have several friends that are brokers that have taken commission payments in cryptocurrency. Interesting. And myself personally, as an entrepreneur, I even take credit cards for payments. Huh. And I know that's like, Ooh, like, yeah. what are you doing? But you right, know, you right. want it to be as frictionless as possible. That's right. You know, blockchain would definitely help with, with that uh, I mean, cryptocurrency. So yeah, well, they've been writing about it for a while. I'm a certified commercial investment member. It's like a credential that you can get for commercial real estate. It's like a PhD in commercial real estate. And hmm. one of the things that they've been writing articles for about three, four years now, all about blockchain and stuff. And now it's finally come into fruition. We did when there was some uh, volatility in the market, you know, a couple months ago, there did, it did slow down a little bit, but I think it'll pick back up. And I I agree with you that it's a bit of a paradigm shift, but it does, you know, intersect back with entrepreneurship and commercial real estate. So, yeah. And again, it's one of those things like maybe you're not ready to jump all in and start accepting cryptocurrency, but if you're an entrepreneur, I think it pays to be on top of the latest trends and understanding what's going on because they're going to be I think a ton of opportunities that come along with it. It's one of the reasons why I started the NFT podcast. You know, it's not part of my business right now, but I think every company, big company is going to be jumping into the NFT space eventually. Uh And so to be, to establish myself early as, you know, an expert or someone who knows what's going on might put me in a position to build it as part of my business later on if I choose to. So just kind of setting up those, you know, to give myself options might as well. Right. And these are things I'm always thinking about as an entrepreneur and a marketer who's constantly thinking about, okay, what is my brand? What do I want to be recognized and known for? And what opportunities are coming down in the future? That's that's really interesting. You know, and are there any particular books or resources or that you read to get familiar about all these things or just everything that you could find? Yeah, everything you can find. And even though I am a big reader, I read a lot of books. I only read one book on cryptocurrency and, and it was pretty good, but I found it boring. I didn't quite finish it. But but I listened to a lot of podcasts. There's a ton of great content on YouTube. Maybe obviously, as I mentioned, I have my podcast, My NFT Journey. I learned a lot from Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, who was talking a lot about NFTs back in early 2021 on his podcast. And I'm yes. a big fan of his. And he's the main reason why I ended up jumping into NFTs and bought some of his stuff and some other things. Tom Bilyeu's had some great content on his podcast, Impact Theory, about you know the why of cryptocurrency and NFTs. And he has an NFT project as well. And there's just tons and tons of resources out there now. If you just Google it and start watching and listening to things. I think Gary Vee says you have to spend like 25 to 50 hours or something to really learn something and be like, oh, yeah, I've only spent maybe like 11 so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's big on that. Do your 50 or 100 hours of research. And you got to spend time learning and, and, and know your style, too. Some people are very you know, introverted or cerebral and like, I need to sit down with a quiet book. And even though I do love a good book, I'm more of a, I need to talk to people and interact with people. So listen to podcasts. And then, you know, I've got chat groups and go on Twitter and just interact with a lot of different people and see what people are talking about and, you know, learn 
you know, what's going on in the space. And then every time something I don't understand, I ask somebody a question and hopefully find the answer. Now, one of the things I haven't really gotten much into, which you, you, you know, are kind of related to what we talked about is a lot of people have been buying real estate in the, you know, in the metaverse, like NFT real estate. I haven't gotten into any of that yet. That's something I still need to start learning more about. Me, me too. (laughs) (laughs) How can I, how can I list that property now in the metaverse? Right. right, Exactly. How does this work? So I got to learn. So speaking of, you brought up Twitter and staying active on social media. You know, we really believe in that. I think, you know, nowadays you're not just limited to who you're going to meet at your chamber of commerce. You have this wide universe available to, to you and you can build these hybrid relationships, digital relationships and such. Well, first of all, like you're, you're really active. Is there any like learning lessons that you have come across as you've built your presence online? Yeah. So some lessons I've learned and and like that I try to follow or live by is I'm pretty active on almost every platform, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I've just started using TikTok recently, but I think it's hard to be active everywhere, right? And we only have so much time. You got a business and a family and, and whatnot. So I think it's important to kind of think about two things. One, where are you most comfortable And two, where are your clients, right? What type of business are you in and where are your clients or the people that you want to see your content? And hopefully there's some overlap between those things. So for me, I'm in the corporate space. Most of my business is B2B. I'm, you know, like I said, working with large companies doing speaking and training. So LinkedIn is my number one by far. I spent 80% of my time on LinkedIn, creating content, building, following, connecting with other people, networking. And so, and that, and that's paid off well for me, but I do still play around with those other platforms. I think number one is like, know where you need to be. What's your number one place. You know, if you're creative, it's probably Instagram or TikTok. If you're in the corporate space, LinkedIn. And then number two is don't write off the other platforms, you know, like be willing to at least set up a profile and check it every now and then, and maybe create a little bit of content. I've made the mistake like others in the past and saying like, something new comes out like oh that's not for me because i'm not 8 you know 15 or whatever so i never <laughs> use snapchat right i've never been on it but i think there's a tendency to do that with maybe tiktok which has grown to be such a huge part of social media and a lot of people are doing business and making a lot of money on there so to just write it off and say oh that's not for me you're kind of shortchanging yourself right and i think especially for people who are we'll say older i'm 42 but i've heard people maybe a little older than me say well I'm not a social native, so I don't really get that stuff is like ridiculous to me because we can all learn. Like if you're just willing to go learn it, right? I mean, my wife's 93-year-old grandmother looks at my Facebook posts and either comments or like sends me a you know an email or a text message about it. So like you can figure it out, right? It's just a matter of like, do you want to? Same with NFTs, web three, all that sort of stuff. It's it's kind of that desire. So figure out what's, you know, where you need to be, but then don't be, you know, afraid to don't discard the other stuff. And then I think the overarching piece for all that is build networking into it, right? So making connections, talking to people. LinkedIn is like that's what it's all about. But you know, I have a friend who's been very successful on Instagram. And if you ask her about it, she says, well, it comes down to the network I've built. I'm I've connected with all these people and we support each other. And because I go and support their posts, they support my posts and that sort of thing. I think it's going to be similar in a lot of different spaces. Like it's social media because it's supposed to be social, right? So you're supposed to be connecting with people and really building real relationships. And I've done a lot of that. I've made so many friends through LinkedIn, through Facebook groups, you know, all types of different places. 
So there's huge opportunities. Lately, I've, I wasn't very active on Twitter for a long time, but the whole NFT Web3 world is on Twitter. So yes. I've been spending a lot yeah, more like time on Twitter. at night that you could go listen to. Oh, yeah. Right. There's Clubhouse and Twitter spaces. And and, and, yeah. yeah. And you can really meet a lot of great people. Discord is also where a lot of NFT stuff is going on. And I've made great friends through Discord and Twitter, through the NFT world lately. And so making those real friendships and you know, you like you said, it goes beyond the Chamber of Commerce. I personally, I feel like I work in a global world. You and I both live in Orlando, yes. but I've never had a client in Orlando. I've only worked with global clients, you know, in different places. And maybe that's even like a mistake on my part that I don't do enough local networking, you know, to meet companies here. But it's just always the way I've been operating. You know, I feel like I'm a global citizen in a global world. And now with the technology we have, and I think things really shifted under COVID, where a lot of people who weren't really thinking that way before started thinking that way, where it's very easy to connect with somebody on LinkedIn and get it on a Zoom call and then build a relationship. And you never know, you might be able to do business together. And so many people that maybe thought it was hard to do business remotely before COVID, we all realized like, oh, we can run the whole world working. Not that we don't want to get together in person and we still do, but we can run the whole world digitally, right? Even real estate contracts can be done digitally. Like we don't ever have to, we want to get together that we can really build relationships and meet clients pretty much anywhere, anytime, if we're willing to put in the work. Oh, they're docu-signing commercial real estate leases now. We're used to yeah. having them like notarized and the, the right. velocity of things are different. That actually leads us back. We talked a little bit. You've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different companies and you've gotten to see a little, you know, a bit of different trends. Uh, like what, what are you, what, what have you seen uh, some of the different organizations doing? I know there's not a one size fits all solution, yeah. but kind of varies on geographical area and industry, what you've seen as far as people getting together. Yeah, definitely. So I'm speaking with a lot of, you know, I don't know anything about the real estate side, but I'm speaking with a lot of people in different companies about work trends and what's going on in the working world, especially career type stuff, culture, and a lot of people in talent development I speak with on a regular basis. And first of all, it is all across the board, right? There is no uniform response to COVID and return to work and like what's going on, right? Everybody's doing things differently. They're all trying to learn from each other. I would say my broad observations are that the more quote, traditional or conservative type companies have already brought people back to the office and are trying to get back to the way things were before. You know, my friends who are attorneys or work in engineering firms, like they've been back in the office for months, right? And they have probably a little bit more flexibility than they used to, to work one or two days from home a week if they want to, whereas that was probably, you know, unacceptable before. Maybe not the attorneys. I think they're always in the office pretty much, but the engineers and others, on the other side of the spectrum, you know, I talked about this a little bit before we started recording. I work with a lot of people in big tech companies. And you think about those like, you know, so-called forward-thinking companies like Apple and Google and Facebook and a lot of the big tech companies that put off the return to the office as long as possible. They've got huge populations. They're trying to be safe. Um, and they let people work or told people to work from home and not come back to the office. I think where we are right now towards the end of March. 2022, we're starting to see a lot of companies bringing people back, asking people to start coming back, um, maybe a few people at a time. You know, Let's say we only want a third of the people in the office. Eventually, it might be half or more. But I think even those tech companies that you would think, oh, everybody should and could be able to get their work done remotely, I think they want people back in the office for the collaboration that comes from that. Not to mention, some of them have made some huge investments. I think you know, Apple has a huge billion dollar campus in Cupertino, California. And I think Apple and Google 
have both committed to building big new campuses in the Raleigh-Durham area. A lot of companies have been building and maybe even taking advantage of, of cheaper commercial real estate prices and, and building offices. So they still see people coming back to the office. What's going to be interesting is, you know, I've spoken with a couple of companies just last week who said, okay, we're starting our new return to work, flexible, quote, flexible work policy where people, we want people back in the office at least three days a week. One was a big tech company who said they're requiring people if they live within 100 miles of an office to come back in three days a week. Now, can you imagine if you live 75 miles from your office that they're telling you, you now have to be back in the office at least three days a week? That sounds awful to me. I don't think I would want to you know, make that commute, but I've, I've never liked commutes. So I think you're going to see some people that are excited to get back in the office and they're going to embrace this. And I think you're going to see a, a percentage of the population who resist it and basically say, no, I'm not coming back. I have other options. I'd rather work from home. And they're going to start looking for another job, which is going to further contribute to what we're hearing about the great resignation and people changing jobs more liberally now. People have more options than ever before. It's a hot hiring, you know, hot market where you know the employees that with skills are, you know, have the upper hand. And so I think we're going to see more people resisting and maybe looking for other opportunities and, and hopefully things kind of eventually settle down and, and work themselves out. You know, we'll never go back to where everybody's in the office like we were before COVID, but we're also not going to remain, I think, you know, completely remote. Maybe you and I, I work from home, but I run my own business. But for big companies, I think they're going to have more hybrid, you know, flexible type structures where people are in the office two, three, four days a week, but maybe not full time. Well, it brings us back to the beginning of the whole podcast is you you want a professional development plan or you want a business yeah. plan, but the same thing with office space, what I'm seeing those that are most successful with it have a plan and there's like an intentionality around the space and what is the space supposed to serve from? If you just make it this rule, like we paid for this really expensive, it, it's like your parents taking you out to dinner and like you've right. got to eat everything. That's on right. We're day. paying for like, this. Right. We're paying for this. So you need to use it. But what is the purpose of it? So there needs to be Mm -hmm. some kind of drive. Um, I'm fortunate when we have about 14 team members now. Nice. (laughs) And they come into the office during different points of the week. And actually, I don't know who's usually coming or going, but, you know, (laughs) it's fun. We've started to make a lot of TikToks on our Beyond Commercial channel. They came up with this whole office series. Oh, nice. Where I guess I'm supposed to be kind of Michael. So stay tuned for some of these episodes where I act a little like Michael, but, but I mean, that's fun, right? They, they have like a purpose and they're filming these TikTok episodes around the coffee, right. coffee maker and things, but it, but if it's just, you're going to go to your desk and it's back to what it was before, then if nothing changes, nothing changes. And why would there be a desire? So I'm counseling people there. You need to have something special about your office. Like whether I'm seeing people have more like wine, coffee areas, like couch kind of living room kind of Hmm. get together areas more so than even like before. So, well, yeah, I I think, you know, nothing, nothing can replace in-person collaboration, Right. right? We've gotten a lot done remotely, but it's great to be together in person and collaborate. But I think if people get back and they're commuting 30 or 45 minutes and they walk in an office and they sit down at their desk and never talk to anybody the rest of the day, they're gonna be like, why did I come here? I could just do this at home. So it's going to be interesting to start to think about the purpose of bringing people to an office and are they collaborating with others or could they just get their job done at home and then start to adjust schedules that way? Yeah, it's got to be something. 
Oh, we've been talking for some time. I one thing I really admire is how you you structure your life and your day, you know, for success. Can you kind of describe that for our listeners what that that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people do not realize how much control they have over their time and their day. They let other people dictate that or fill that in, you know, put meetings on their calendar, that sort of thing. Um, especially if they're people pleasers like I have been in the past. But I think we need to structure a day around our priorities, you know, really ask yourself, like, what are your priorities? What are your values? What's important to you? And are you addressing those things? So for me, you know, family is, a, is a important to me, of course, like it is for many people. Learning and development is very important to me. Uh, health and fitness is very important to me. So I structure my day in a way, it doesn't always work perfectly, <clears throat> but I get up early. I follow something called the Miracle Morning, which is based on a yes. book by Hal Elrod that came out uh, many years ago. I start every day with meditation and usually some reading and journaling and try to get to the gym. If I don't in the morning, then I'll go in the afternoon, You know, try to get a workout in five, six days a week because that fitness is important to me. And then on the flip side, I usually wrap up work by six o'clock every day and I have dinner with my family every night and I don't schedule meetings over that. I don't schedule meetings during that time. If someone asks me to meet with them or says, oh, I only record podcast interviews at 6 p.m. at night, then I'm probably not going to do it. And that's just you know me sticking to my... Now, of course, there are exceptions, right? If, if Tim Ferriss called and said, hey, I'm, I'm inviting you on my podcast and they only record during your family dinner time, I think my family would understand if I took a yeah. night off or like an amazing opportunity, right? But the key is that it's, a, it's an exception, not a rule. And I think a lot of people will nod their heads and be like, yeah, family is important to me. Yeah, it's important to make time, but I just don't have time because this and this and this. Yes. And I think we always use this excuse that we're so quote busy when a lot of people are either a wasting or spending time on things that are really not that important to them, right? You know, whether it's watching Netflix or scrolling social media or just reading whatever on the internet or just doing busy work and B, not really following what they say is important to them, right? There's, there's the disconnect between the values and priorities and what your schedule looks like. And so I'm also constantly reevaluating that because I'm far from perfect. I drift off in different ways. I make mistakes, right? And learn from it and go, okay, this, I don't think this is serving me anymore. For example, we talked about the three podcasts earlier. Two of them last year, even when I only had two, were both interview podcasts. And I found that my calendar was like constantly full of these interviews. And I love talking to other people but they were just taking up so much time. I didn't have time for the other important work that I wanted to be doing. And so I started to cut back on those. And for my Own Your Career podcast, I stopped doing interviews altogether. I'm only doing solo shows for that right now, which means I can kind of do them when I want to on my schedule. And it showcases more of my expertise as I'm building my brand. And so, you know, there's there's downsides to that, right? I don't connect with as many people. Maybe I don't form as find as many partnerships, that sort of thing. But it gets me back to what's most important to me? What's the best way to spend my time? And I also structure my schedule throughout the week to try to maximize the use of my time. So I typically don't take many meetings or calls on Mondays or Fridays. I try to push those through to, to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I have you know time on Monday and Friday for planning, for social media, you know posts and, and things like that. And you know we talked about the, the six o'clock thing. I use Calendly, a lot of systems. I use Calendly yes. for everything, for so many yes. meetings. It saves a lot of time. And then I have a lot of other like time-saving techniques, text expanders, and all kinds of things that I use to in systems to try to help me be more productive. And at the same time, you know, I still get lost in Instagram or NFT world or Twitter or whatever, like anybody else. Yeah. So we just got to like bring ourselves back and be like, okay, it's not good use of my time. Let me move on and do something more important. 
Yeah. I think as long as you try to like 90% of the time stick right. to it, I have a three day production schedule, like where I'm just focused on work interviews, mm. get all the work done. And then I keep like two days. Mine are actually like Thursday and Friday as my flex days to get, you know, knocked out any administrative paperwork, planning, all that kind of stuff. But you gotta, yeah, yeah. you gotta leave yourself those, those, and if you don't block it all out, then it's just not going to, not going to to happen. And you're just going to go. Oh, yeah. One, yeah. one decision I made when I launched this podcast too, is I wanted it to be weekly, but I have an 11 month old and a 27 month old and my company. Like is just, yeah, yeah. it's expanding way beyond my wildest expectations to think that I have six yeah. people in the pipeline. Like I'm, I have not had to put a job ad out in about a year Amazing. and people just keep coming to want to like work here, which yeah. like, I love my team. I guess they're, they're doing a really good job, but yeah. uh, I'm like, I'm only going to do it bi-weekly. I can't yeah. do any, I, I could, but then you'd have to readjust another priority. And you know, my babies are only going to be babies for so long. So right, a year right. from now, yeah. I'm not even going to really be able to call them babies. They're both going to be toddlers. So sometimes you just got to ask yourself the question, like what's better use of my time. And some, I get caught up. My tendency is to write social media posts. I love doing it. I love marketing. I love social media or like to try to stay on schedule the podcast, but baby, sometimes I got to be like, okay, what's better? Write another post, record a podcast or send a five figure proposal to a client. Hmm. Maybe <laughs> I should send that proposal because yeah. that's going to actually pay the bills. All the other stuff does add up. It builds the brand, but what's most important? Or, you know, should I do that one one more email or go sit down and have dinner with my family? And like, not that either one is the email is not important, but what's most important to you now, right? And as you said, my kids are a little older, they're six and eight, but we only get so much time with them, right? Yeah. And so I want to make sure that I'm spending that time and enjoying that time as much as I can right before they're gone. And then I'll have plenty more time to work after that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. Yeah. I think anyone who hasn't looked into that, I, I'd never thought I could accomplish everything I accomplished in the hours, but you know, you just have to plan and you have to prioritize. Yeah. So yeah. do you have any future plans that you want to share for, for us? Maybe you don't have to give specificity or is there anything else you want to share with us today? Yeah, uh, we covered a lot of stuff. What I'm doing, I'm always thinking about the future. I had a good con you know, conversation with my assistant today about are we going to host another conference in the future? You know, what other live events are we going to be putting on? I definitely want to be doing more of those. I'm launching a community on the career side called the Own Your Career Community, which is, you know, I would say probably geared more towards corporate professionals. But at the same time, all of the content in my book and the podcast, and even what we'll be talking about in the community. Uh, certainly can benefit entrepreneurs as well because it all relates, you know, talking about planning for the future by investing in continuous learning, building your network, building your personal brand. These are topics that can really benefit everyone. And then, you know, we'll see if I end up doing more in the NFT space in the future, yeah. um, potentially releasing my own NFTs from the podcast. I just signed a, a deal, a partnership with a sponsor for that podcast. We're going to create wow. some NFTs together. Yeah. And release those to kind of support the show. So that'll be really interesting. And yeah, that's kind of the, that's it for right now, but I'm always on the lookout for more big things for the future. That's awesome. Well, I love your mindset, your energy and everything. You, you just inspire me so much. So for those of you, again, it's Andy Storch and you can follow him on his three podcasts or 
LinkedIn is where he connects the most and we'll share those links. And it was awesome to have you today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amy. And thanks everybody for listening again. Yeah. I'm active on all the socials. You've got the podcast on your career show, Talent Development Hot Seat, my NFT journey. My website's andystorch.com and I'm I'm all over the place. So hit me up and let me know you heard me on Andy's show. I mean, Amy's show. <laughs> That's right. You're My right. own show. Let me know That's you heard awesome. me on Amy's show. Oh, you're so used to doing your podcast though. Right. It goes full circle though. No, yeah, definitely andystorch.com and very Googleable. So you, you, you'll be able to find them. Awesome. Thanks everyone for listening in.